Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. We've all heard the word metabolism, and we typically hear it in some kind of context surrounding weight loss or gaining muscle or being able to burn our food and use it for fuel, something that has to do in that kind of parameter. And it wasn't until I heard Brad Davidson speak about metabolism that I honestly had the biggest aha moment and thought, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense. Today's guest that I have, Brad Davidson, is honestly awesome. He has a story that is so compelling of his own personal journey with health and fitness. He is a health and fitness professional. You'll hear more about his story in a minute, but he had this moment of where he had been working so hard, working out so hard. He looked better than ever before, had I mean, pretty much no body fat. He was the epitome of what our culture would look at and say, this is a healthy person. But it was in that time that he actually became the most sick that he had ever been. And he relates this story to how we need to be thinking and taking care of ourselves and really rethinking how we think about metabolism. Because metabolism at its core is a measure of our energy. And really, if we go even deeper than that, metabolism is a stress barometer in our bodies. It shows us how well we deal with stress and how well we can recover from stress. Metabolism shows us what we spend our energy on. And if we are constantly stressed and we're putting so much of our energy into just trying to recover from that, the longer it takes us to recover from stress, the harder that is on our bodies. We need to reset our metabolism by resetting our stress. I'm speaking today with Brad Davidson. He has coached over 450 CEOs, high-performance athletes, CrossFit Games athletes, uh, people who have been in the Miss California contest, over 10 first-round NFL draft picks, as well as active tactical members from SWAT, as well as active members of our United States military. He is an incredible person and he can really break down health and fitness in a way that is different than what you've heard from industry professionals and showing us how it should matter to us in our day-to-day lives. And just to give you a hint, he's also going to talk about the best way to reset your metabolism is by backing off of the things that are causing you stress, including those hard workouts, strict diets, all of those things. I think you're going to like what he has to say. And always remember that what I speak about and my guests speak about on the show is not intended to be used for medical advice. It is simply educational and you need to go and speak with your healthcare professionals before implementing anything that we talk about. Let's jump into today's topic with Brad Davidson. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. 
If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of how you can assess your yourself and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. I would love for you to talk about how you got started in this space. What, what brought you to where you are today? I got into industry back in 1996. Uh, I, I got a job as a personal trainer. I, I studied it in school. I've been very fascinated by uh, health and fitness. It was a big part of my life as an athlete in high school and college. Um, but, but back then, I really bought into what my industry preaches and teaches. And it's all that matters is how the outside looks. You have to sacrifice and be disciplined and deprive yourself. And you know, the harder you train yourself, the better you are. And, and the more weight you lose, the more body fat you lose, the more muscle mass you carry, supposedly the healthier you are. And I, I ran with that. Uh, in 2004, I had moved to Southern California, opened up my own gym, and was just killing it. And I was just beating the hell out of people. And all I was focused on was fat loss and muscle gain. And, and I kind of got a name so I could make people look really good really fast. And then in 2008, the economy takes the dive. And I own this gym. And I'm thinking, how do I stand out? I said, well, easy. I'm going to show when you take my stuff to an absolute extreme that you can do great things. And so I chose an Olympic sport. At 33, I'm going to make an Olympic sport and just show the world how, how great my stuff is. And so I call a coach. I, I talk my way into a spot under a trial on the team. I make the team. And over the next 10 months, being super disciplined, I worked out twice a day, six days a week. I ate perfect. I didn't have carbs for the whole time I was doing this, which is about 10 months of training. Um, I did everything we tell you to do. And on the outside, it looked like it. I put on 52 pounds of lean muscle mass legally. My body fat was under 10%. I, I ran a 4440 at a 42 inch vertical jump. If you know anything about, you know, sport numbers. Those were really good. And I'm in my mid thirties. I'm competing against kids. They're 10 years younger than me. And everything was going really well. It was super exciting. You know, like at that, at that time, that group ended up winning the gold medal in the 2010 Olympics. They're like the best of the best. And I'm hanging with these guys. And then I wake up one morning to a baby girl. And all of a sudden I realized, whoa, uh, 90 miles an hour in a tin can people die doing this. <laughs> probably not the best idea to be doing now that I have this baby that I'm responsible for. And any of you that are parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's like immediately everything changes. And that went from being the greatest, most fun thing I could ever do to the scariest, dumbest thing I could do in a matter of, in a matter of just the second I put her in my hands. So I, I, I stopped. I retired immediately. But I had the thought, uh, what, what a great dad I am. There's no dad bod here. I'm super fit. I'm super healthy. Like, what a great gift I'm giving this child. <laughs> Two weeks later, I, I couldn't even get out of bed. As soon as all the stress of all the training went away and, and, and that was done and my body was out of the fight or flight mode and got to go back into recovery mode, my whole body started to hurt. My energy tanked. 
Uh, I had no drive. I didn't even want to, ha- I didn't even want to engage with my daughter. I just wanted to lay in bed in the dark and, and something was not right. And I remember waking up one morning and two big patches of hair had fallen out of my beard overnight. And at that point, I'm like, what in the world is going on with me? I, I could not explain that. So I went to the doctor. And when I first walked into my doctor's office, he hadn't seen me in my 10 month transformation. So imagine last time I walked in his office, I was about 165 pounds. This day I walk in, I'm 205. And like just shredded muscle. Like I remember at one point I had a photo shoot done and someone commented that I look like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Like that's how muscular I looked. And, you know, I'd done it all legally. I didn't take drugs or anything like that. It was just super disciplined training, super disciplined eating, just everything we teach to an extreme. And he runs my labs because he can't explain what's going on in my face. And he calls me two days later and says, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, first off, you're type 2 diabetic. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I haven't had a carb in like 10 months. Like, there's no way I'm diabetic. Because your A1C levels and your glucose levels are they're so high. I have to give you metformin as your doctor. And number two, you're in extreme hypothyroidism. And I'm like, doc, I got like an eight pack here. Like, this is not hypothyroidism. He said, well, I don't know what to tell you. Your thyroid is just shut off. I have to give you thyroid hormones. And then here's the kicker. You're in andropause. And I said, what's that? He said, well, it's male menopause. You're in male menopause at 33. Looking how you look. Here's your testosterone injections uh, to keep your metabolism in a good place. Here is your uh, thyroid hormones, and here is your blood sugar meds to keep you alive. You now need all these drugs just to live a normal life. And oh, by the way, the patches of hair falling out of your face. Uh, there's no drug for that, but that's from too much stress. It's an autoimmune disease from too much stress. So you just need to stress less. And at the time, I'm thinking, I talk. I thrive on stress. Like I, I live through stress. I grind through stress. Like. Uh, that's that's my game and he's like well i don't know what to tell you um you have bad genetics it's all i could come down to saying was like you just have bad genetics so at 33 i was absolutely destroyed but i look great i mean h- how do you deal like how do you deal with that you you look perfect you do everything that my industry tells you to do to an extreme on the outside you're getting all kinds of praise because of how you look and god you look super healthy i want to look like you i want to be like you what do you do and then you get this diagnosis that says oh sorry you're closer to death than you are, than you are optimal living like <laughs> Good luck looking good. Like it didn't matter at that point. So that was um, that was a very tough scenario to go through because nobody knew what to do with me at that point. That was 2009. Everyone was like, well, just train harder this way or just eat cleaner this way. And I'm like, God, it's, it, just, it just wasn't. I just got worse and worse and worse the more I followed those, that advice. Uh, it took me six years to recover. And what I discovered, and more now than ever, this, is, this message is more relevant now than ever after the last year we've had. We do not have a lack of effort issue. It's not a lack of exercise issue. It's not a lack of discipline issue. It's not a lack of drive issue. We have an inability and a lack of understanding about recovery and energy management. That's what I teach now is, okay, how do we drive energy? How do we recover from damage that's been done? How do we become resilient to stress? Those things matter way more than your effort level at the gym or how perfect your diet is. And so I now work with people teaching them, okay, here's how we manage energy during the day. Here's how we shut it down at night. Here's how we drive recovery. And here's how we offset fatigue and make you resilient to stress. Because that's what we need this day and age is we need to find our energy again. Is the answer not to work more, work out more, grind more? The answer is something else. The answer is totally something else. I mean, it still takes. So, you know what? If, if you're somebody that hates to exercise, you've been sitting on the couch for a long time, you have no stress in your life. Um, you know, you probably need to grind a little bit more. But the people I work with, the people that I connect with, that I speak with, that I personally take care of, uh, it's not a lack of effort on their problem. They're, they're, they're driven people. They're trying to live a better life. They're trying to be more successful at work or provide more for their families or be a better husband or wife or be a better parent. 
So they're looking for the energy and they think they feel horrible. They think they just go to the gym enough that that's where the answer lies because that's what my industry tells you is most important. But think about it. If I'm a personal trainer, I own a gym. How do I make money? I need you to show up and exercise. (laughs) If I teach you that sleep's the most important thing and rest is the most important thing. And if you wake up and you didn't sleep well, you're not recovered well, you probably shouldn't come to the gym. I'm going to lose a lot of money. It's an issue I have with people in my industry. Like like you, you can't tell people not to exercise so much. Like it's affecting our ability to make money. I had to sell my gym because I discovered this. But, but in reality, it's what we need. If you are tired and you don't have the energy to get out of bed and it's not the ultimate desire, like you're not desiring to go to the gym, I'm going to tell you right now, you probably shouldn't. That one in 15,000 people a year die in the gym. That's not good odds. I mean, how many people die meditating? <laughs> I'm sure it happens, but anything can kill you. But it's not, it's, it's super rare. We have an energy issue. We are just taught in America to grind. It's the grit and the grind. And and here's another place where I did actually learn this, where it actually came from. At the top 3% in all arenas of high performance, the top 3%, all those people are willing to kill themselves to be successful. They will kill themselves if that's what it takes. They'll sacrifice, they'll grind. Like they are not afraid to die from work ethic. Well, what separates the 3% from the 1%? Because at that top level, they're all going to work so hard, they'll die. It's not a work ethic issue to get to be the best. What separates those people, and this is where I learned it, is that the top 1% recover better than the other 3%. A lot of them, a lot of them, it's a genetic disposition. They have what's called the warrior gene. It's the COMT158 gene. They walk around with low dopamine levels in their brain. They actually are kind of bored in life. They actually have to be a lot, under a lot of stress to feel like we do normally. And so what that does to them is that stress just bounces off them during the day. It takes extreme stress for those people to feel like a normal, happy state. Where most of us are walking around a normal, happy state, we experience extreme stress, dopamine bounces, spills over, we start freaking out. These men and women don't. But it's not, I mean, they didn't do anything great. They just got lucky. (laughs) And I'll say they got lucky, kind of, because there are other issues they now have to be aware of and deal with as well. So it's not like they're any better off. They just handle stress better. They have bigger risks in other places. Yeah. So one of the things I love about your story is it's a it's a much crazier version of what I experienced, I don't know, six or seven years ago now, where I was doing CrossFit nonstop, running, an, running, running a company, um, trying to eat perfectly. I mean, like logging every single macro, every single calorie. And there was one morning I woke up, went out to my garage where I typically train and just started my warm up set that I would normally do doing some cleans. Um, I was going to be doing deadlifts that day. And on my warm up set of cleans, all of a sudden, I felt like I had taken a whole bottle of Benadryl. Like, I was just so tired. (laughs) so tired, but I was not about to not work out. That, that's the craziest thing ever, right? So I pushed through the whole rest of the day. I was like, I just feel like I could take, I could sleep for 25 hours. It was, and it stayed that way yeah. for a year. And I went to doctors and they ran blood tests yeah. and they couldn't, t- everyone was like, you're fine. And so I kept going to the box, the CrossFit box. I kept working out. I kept, like, I didn't stop. I didn't stop anything I was doing. And eventually I started gaining weight. I lost my period as a woman who's in her twenties, like you're supposed to ovulate. You're supposed to have fertility, right? Um, All these things shut down for me and no one could tell me what was happening. And no one told me that I should rest. 
Not one person. Yeah. Wow. I have seen that nightmare many a times come from the CrossFit world. I, I'm not, I'm not, I have no, I'm not against CrossFit. I love it. I think it's a great competitive sport, but, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've worked on a number of the top, especially female CrossFit athletes in the world. And, uh, it's always, I remember one of them called me from the gym floor crying because she couldn't function. And she had a, she had a competition coming up in a month and she's like, my numbers are going down. My body fat's going up. I'm, I'm literally, I'm just literally sitting here and she was crying. She's like, I mean, where are you? I'm sitting on the gym floor. I can't do this. Um, scary. Cause there, there is no answers out there for, for that situation. Yeah. But I mean, so there aren't, but then again, there are, and some, for me, I think the answers weren't what I wanted to hear. And it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. It's where like, don't work out as much, take more rest days, like rest days equaled weakness in my mind. I can't do that. I can't, you know, why in the world would I do that? So I, but then when I, especially, and even when, you know, last month when I heard you talking about this and heard about the type two diabetes and the, you know, all of this thing, all of these things that happen to you, we just sometimes don't realize what we're putting our body through when we're putting it through so much stress. So where do you go from here? Like where, how do you help people who are in this place realize what they can do to heal, to rest, to recover, and to ultimately perform and still perform well, and maybe even perform better than they were performing? I start people off in, in two different scenarios. Um, I, what I find is that people are either in, um, they're in the grind of life, right? They're, they're in the battle of performance and they're, and they're feeling good. Life is pretty good around them. They're just dealing with fatigue issues, things like that. Um, I will start those people in what I call the metabolic breakthrough process. But, but I, I do want to share that it, it went a little farther south for me. I, I, so I got myself back metabolically. So I understand when someone's metabolism is off, they're beat up, they're beat down. In that situation where the thing that's wrong is the, is the metabolism. Um, from there, basically, we just do a simple assessment. And if someone's tired and beat up, I put them on what I call a metabolic reset, where I take them off their exercise. So example, I use that CrossFit athlete that called me crying on the gym floor. She had a competition in a month from that point. So for the next three weeks, I actually took her off all the exercise. I only allowed her to walk. Like you want to talk about freak out mode. Like I said, you can only walk. That's it. I put her on the reset diet and I had her just sleep 10 hours a night and get tissue work and do mobility work. And just, it was all about rest and recovery. Here's the beautiful thing. She gets to the meet, gets off the plane, wins the whole thing. <laughs> like PRs all over the place. Cause all of a sudden she went from metabolism to just completely exhausted to she had her gas tank refueled. And so all her strength, all her conditioning, everything was there. It was beautiful. So she had been fighting and competing in, a, in, a, in an exhausted state. And now all of a sudden she's rested and can go again. So what I do is that's where I'll start people off with. I'll just, I'll back them off their exercise, just cut back a little bit. I'll focus on sleep, rest, lots of walking, um, stress management tools, meditation. I'll have them eat a certain way uh, to drive the recovery response. And what I find is high performers typically need that once or twice a year. So basically every month they, people go through an assessment and depending on what it says, they're either going into a reset protocol or a breakthrough protocol. And that's how we just do it year long. So you're trying to break through your performance all year when the metabolism is good. If it's checked out and it's not on your side anymore, there's no point in fighting it. Just bring it back online. I learned that working with professional athletes in their off season, they, the first month off, they have no problem taking a month off. They go on vacation, they rest, they would eat a certain way. They wouldn't even come into the gym and they loved it and they would get the best results year after year after year. So I just mimicked it off of that. But um, four years ago, at the, that was all I was focused on was the physical side of things. Four years ago, 
uh, we all have these, if you have, and it's coming, unfortunately, it's like life is going to turn against you. And I found out I was going through divorce. Uh, that wrecked my world. Um, I, I was not ready for that. I didn't even see it coming. Uh, that was horrific mentally, emotionally. You, you can't, you can't outwork that. Like there's no diet. There's no gym pro- protocols that's going to help you deal with that emotional scenario. Um, and then I kind of started getting better from that. And then COVID hits and wrecks my whole business. I'm a speaker. That's what I do. And I haven't been on the road speaking since March. And I just found out it's now wiped out through next May. <laughs> like, nobody's having live events. So wiped out my business. And then three months ago, my father passed away and, and he was my rock. Like he was my guy. And so uh, all of a sudden I caught myself at, at the ultimate bottom, like, like rock bottom. We're like, I, I didn't even want to get out of bed anymore, but I have little ones and, and I'm looking at them. And I'm thinking to myself, man, like I have to, I can't give up. Like I have to get out of bed and figure this out. And, and I remember my father, his biggest lesson in life, it kicked that day was giving up is never an option. So what I did at that point is I then created what I call it's an ultimate comeback challenge. It's like, okay, what does somebody need at that point to rebuild themselves back to the point where they want to get out of bed? They want to experience life. They want to re-engage. And so if someone's there, um, we make it a whole lot simpler. And we create a 45-day challenge. Just They just do seven things every day. That, that you, the typical person look at it and be like, wow, that's super simple. But one of my best friends who played in the NFL was a linebacker for the Denver Broncos. Um his ex-wife passed away, the, the mother of their children, around the same time my dad did. He told me in the middle of the, our first challenge, he's like, I thought two-a-days in the NFL was hard. He goes, this is super hard. And so it's just that reality of if we are mentally, emotionally broken, if life has broken us, it's got to be easy. So that's that's. So I work on those two arenas. If someone's in the fight or if someone's broken, we'll start there and then get them back to that level of engagement, performance. And, and my favorite part is showing up to the people who love the most giving them the best of you versus the rest of you from an energy and engagement standpoint. I think that's what they deserve personally, but most of us are running around super fit, exercising all the time, depriving ourselves of food, exhausted, and we get home to our loved ones and it's just like, leave me alone. I want to watch TV. I got to go take a nap. You know, don't, spouse, not tonight. I have a headache. <laughs> leave me alone, right? Like it's, it, gets, it, it really disrupts life. I don't care how good you look. If that's your life, it doesn't matter. So that's, that's where I like to use it with people or start with people. Oh, I th- thank you. It, it's, it's been really hard and, and it's hard to talk about and, um, but it's reality. Like a lot of people are losing people right now. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. So the, the first, the first, the first step of the seven is to take a daily picture of yourself in the mirror. I call it a reality check, right? It's just, it's a check-in of, of where you are. It's, and, and over a 45 day period, what happens over time is people can go back. Cause one of the things I've seen is as people get better, they forget where they came from. So they don't realize how far they've come. So what I like with these pictures, it's not a picture to see how much your body's changed. It's a picture to see your face, your eyes, uh, your engagement in life. It's a really, it's a really powerful tool. I think. So it's a, it's a picture every morning to connect with yourself, to get a reality check. Where are you to remind yourself, Hey, I'm still here down anything and everything that you have going on in your head. You just get it out on paper. And then from there, you meditate or deep breathe for 10 minutes. And then after that, sometime in the day, you're going to move for 45 minutes. And I'm not saying exercise, I'm saying moving. A lot of my days, and we're just taking my dog for a 45-minute walk or riding skateboards with my kids uh, or just going for a long walk myself. Yeah, as I progressed through it, I started doing more workouts. We just have to move for 45 minutes a day. Movement drives energy. Movement drives um, thoughts, emotions, all that stuff. It's drink half your body and ounce of water a day because water is like the most important thing for the metabolism. Uh, outside of breathing. So we got some breathing going on. We got water intake coming in to help heal up the metabolism. 
I ask people to follow a diet, a nutrition plan, and I don't care what they follow, whatever it is of their choice. They just have to follow it and they can't cheat for 45 days. One of the things we're doing is we're rebuilding a commitment with ourselves and and reminding ourselves that we can follow through, that we can trust ourselves because we tend to give up on everything. So it's a really simple way to do it. Um, And then I have people remove one destructive habit that they are doing that's negatively impacting their metabolism. And this, this, everybody meaning things like alcohol or nicotine or something like that. Yeah. If you want to remove those, great. But for me, it was soda. I got to the point where I was drinking multiple cans of soda a day because that's what was calming me down. Uh, some of my group, for example, a real popular one is they will stop scrolling social media after five o'clock. And that's an example. Like that is a numbing factor. Um, they'll stop shopping. You know, there's just, there's something that we typically do that's causing those issues. So it's not, it's not, it's not crazy disruptive. It's not super hard. It's not really structured. It's just to get those things in at that level. It's, it's a commitment and, and it takes some buy-in and it takes, uh, you know, some follow through, but it's a very easy, good place to reconnect ourselves, to remind ourselves we can trust ourselves and we can follow through and it builds momentum was the most beautiful part with it. What I've noticed with the groups I'm working with, yeah, some people will lose weight, you know, and that's always like a factor people want to know about. But what I love is people could actually handle stress again. They could have the tough conversations. They could engage with life. They weren't so afraid. They got their energy back. They began to get excited to get out of bed in the mornings. It's just really beautiful things like that would come up from, from some, something so simple. What should our reaction be to stress? So you said they can handle stress better or handle it again. So what does it look like to negatively handle stress? And what does it look like to handle it in a healthy way? Yeah. So, I mean, I can only, I can use myself as an example. When I am beat down, tired, uh, and stress falls on my plate, I'm very emotional with it. I just, I respond emotionally. I get very angry. And not, you know, it's like, I just, I just, I I light up. I get angry. I get frustrated. Um, When I'm in a good place, high stress hits and I just, okay, I just have to deal with this. So it's, it's more that. So instead of wasting all this energy on the emotion of it, which does nothing for it, does nothing to help solve it. And myself personally, when I'm in a good place, I can have a bomb drop on me and be like, okay. It's part of life. Let's figure it out. What are the solutions? I can be very solution oriented versus very emotionally oriented is the best way I can explain it for me personally. I think I can see that in myself too. I believe I am more emotional the more stre- <laughs> the more stressed yeah. I am and negatively impacting it. it. It's kind of that. I mean, have you ever had a terrible night's sleep and then something happens the next day and you just overreact? But then when you sleep on it, you think that wasn't the end of the world. That wasn't. The- <laughs> well, I will continue. You're totally right. I will continue. Yeah. So you're totally right. Yeah, sleep is sleep is great. So let's talk about that recovery. So you you've talked about if people are just broken and they're trying to find the motivation to just live life again. But let's talk about that other group of people who they're just overworked, they're overstressed, they're overtrained, they're maybe underfed. What is it that you are encouraging those people to do? First and foremost is to back off on the hard exercise. And, and everybody thinks like exercise is the answer. And, and realistically, all exercise does impacts the metabolism about 5%. Um, and if it's causing too much of a stress response, it's actually a negative on your metabolism. Because what we need to realize is all your metabolism is, is a stress barometer. 
It's picking up internal stress, external stresses, and then it's giving you feedback to is it handling it or is it not? Simple things like hunger. If you're dealing with a hunger that's elevated, that is a sign that your metabolism is not dealing with stress very well. If your hunger's in check, you're good. Uh, sleep is another one. If you're sleeping well, your, your, your stress is being handled well. If you're not sleeping well, it's not being well. Um, if your mood is an issue, if your energy is an issue, if you're having weird cravings, we call it schmeck. I learned it from Dr. Jay Tita. If your schmeck is out of check, your metabolism is not handling stress well. Whatever you're doing is not working. So uh, I like to ask people all the time, like, check in with your schmeck. If your schmeck is out of check, you've got to back off in the exercise. You've got to eat more food. You've got to focus on recovery because your metabolism is beat down. If your schmeck is in check, you're going to be feeling great. You're going to have good energy. You're going to crave exercise. You're going to sleep well. You're going to be in a good mood all the time. You're not going to be hungry much. And you're going to be a really fun, optimistic person to be around. So I just tell people, like, check in with yourself. Stop ignoring what's going on. Stop fighting. Stop this idea of, like, just suck it up and, and find some willpower and fight through that stuff. Because it's gotten real clear. They call it the rebound effect. There's a, I think it was called the Matador study. Validated this and proved this. The more stress you apply to the metabolism to force it to change, the bigger the rebound is when you stop. The less stress you apply to create change over time, the less of a rebound there's going to be when you stop. Anytime you incorporate nutrition or exercise and you stop, there's going to be a, a rebound. So it's just, it's just and, I, and I tell you, it's, this is really super obvious. Look at before and after pictures. Just, everyone sells their services on in my industry. Look at the massive change I created in the 90 days. Well, here's the reality. If you want to know if a program is good, long-term, ask to see the after-after picture. Now, if all you care about is that 90-day change to be super extreme for one day of great pictures you'll have for the rest of your life, and that's what you want, awesome. Like, go for it. But if your goal is to do this, to improve your health, to live a better life, and to look good for long-term, you got to find the after-after pictures that look just as good or better than the ones you're looking at. Because a program should be built on the rest of your life, not 90 days. I'm sorry, but it takes more than just a 90-day effort to change the health for the rest of your life. We've all experienced that. You have to find a lifestyle and a program that's oriented towards you. And, and I like to work with high-stress, high-performing people, You know, people that are battling fatigue. That's the ones I like to work with. Okay, how do we build a life to fight that? And it's simple. Like, do a reset. Uh, that's what I wrote my whole book on that. The Metabolic Reset um, is all about that period. Get your energy back. And what's crazy, here's what's crazy about this is that uh, the average, 35,000 people have now done this book and the average weight loss is still 12 pounds in three weeks, combining men and women. So it's like, they're doing nothing. They're doing no exercise. All I'd like them to do is go for a walk. They're sleeping more. They're eating more than they're used to eating. Their metabolism's coming back online. So they're losing the water retention, the bloat, all the negative side effects of stress and, and, and pushing ourselves too hard. It's beautiful. So that's how I like to face it is, is first off, we got to reconnect with our bodies and listen. If you're tired, stop, just stop. You cannot beat fatigue by burning more energy. That is so hard to hear. <laughs> it is hard to hear, especially when, I mean, for me, I have set my whole day around a morning routine that starts with a workout. And in my mind, if I don't do the weightlifting or the conditioning, then, then I haven't done my part. Like I'm not, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. But 
And even right now, just like as I'm hearing you talk and just thinking about myself, I have a terrible like crick in my neck and pain in my shoulders. I should rest. I should not force myself to do something tomorrow like pull-ups or dips or probably even anything. Like I should probably let my muscles heal and rest, but my nature is pushed through it, right? And so how do you work with people? I mean, so they go through your book or they go through your programs and what do you think is the hardest part for them of your whole 21 day metabolism reset? What do you think is the hardest part that people run into and say, I don't know if I can do that? Yeah, it's the first three days, uh, removing coffee and alcohol. Oh, you didn't mention um, that. <laughs> Talk about yes, that. Yes, because, um, yeah. And here, here's what I tell people, like people are like, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm like, okay, great. Well, then cut out cut coffee and alcohol for the next three days and let's check in and say, you're really doing. Well, I can't do that. Well, then your metabolism is not in a great place. Like, because caffeine and alcohol are the energy substrates we have learned to use to deal with our energy issues. Caffeine gives us energy, alcohol calms us down so we can sleep. We've learned how to self medicate. So th that's the hardest part because most of us are so exhausted. We now need coffee to get the adrenals going, enough uh, 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 adrenaline going to be able to work out the way we want to work out. So I ask people to take that out because one of the things that gets bombarded in this process is the liver. I don't care how healthy you are. If you train like crazy, you're producing a massive amount of lactic acid in the body. Like we love that burn, especially in the world of CrossFit and, you know, HIIT training, things like that. But what do you think has to do with all that byproduct? What cleans that out and gets rid of it? The liver. So even if you eat super healthy, your liver is still congested. It's incredible. And so that's the hardest part is the reality of you take that stuff out the first three days and you get a real good baseline of where someone's at. It's often not pretty, especially if they exercise a ton because they're using those energy substrates to drive it. Just go to any gym and look at the trainers, the fitness, the, the, the fitness instructors. They're always walking around with caffeine in their hands. Like they're, they're, they have a little, if I come up with a caffeine IV, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would want it. Like people are just looking for more jolt to train harder and unfortunately, the body's not telling us, hey, I need more caffeine. It's telling us, hey, I am freaking tired. Let me go to sleep. But the caffeine prevents the brain from shutting off. So we can't. So that's the hardest part is that, is that first three days of the reality of what it's like to come off of coffee and alcohol, to take the energy substrates away and get a true reality check. Now, by day five to day seven, it's unreal how much better someone feels. Because true metabolic energy is coming back once the liver has been cut and been cleaned out a little bit, once the adrenals have calmed down a little bit, once blood sugar is stabilized a little bit, it's like boom, the clarity, the drive starts to come back uh, by about day five. And in the twenty-one day book, the book that you have is what are you promoting? I mean, I know you said for the other the other thing, um, you say you know whatever diet you choose to follow follow. But is there any way you're encouraging people to eat differently in the 21 day metabolism reset? Yeah, there's a, a few things I'm encouraging them to do that are different than most. Um, for example, I have them start off with a smoothie in the morning that does not have any protein in it. So for example, I, so people start off, they'll have a warm lemon water to help support the liver. Then they'll do a smoothie with no protein. I take the protein out for 21 days at breakfast to allow the liver to keep working on what it needs to work on. So the smoothie has like fats, fruits, and vegetables to support the metabolism, support the liver. But we take protein. Now, as soon as you consume protein, the liver has to go into protein breakdown. So it stops working on detoxification and catching up on what it's behind on. So I pull the protein out. We just do the smoothie. Then I do I have them drink a cranberry juice mixed in water because that also helps support the lymph system and detoxification. 
And then when I get them to lunch, I, lunch is a pretty much a typical style paleo diet. Uh, there's no carbs at lunch because we want to make sure carbs calm the brain down, shut things down, make us lazy and lethargic. We don't want that to happen at lunch. And I like lunch to be a big meal. Uh, you know, I want, it's a lot of protein, a lot of vegetables and good fats. And then we get to dinner. And this is where my system changes a lot is I'm a big fan of using carbohydrates at dinner, like rice, any type of potatoes. Because what that does, it now calms your brain down at night. It brings the stress response down. This is actually how I beat my diabetic issues. Because I began to eat carbs every night for dinner. I have not stopped since it was Rob Wolf that told me. He's like, man, when you're that stressed out, you train that hard. I didn't write the paleo diet for that scenario. You need a lot of carbs. Like my, my athletes, like you could have up to 600 grams of carbs a day at training at that level. It's like, it was just, it was, it, it, that diet was meant for people that don't like to exercise, that are unhealthy, that need help. But if you're, if you're a person that's a high performer and you're exercising a lot, you actually need the carbohydrates to help calm the brain down, to bring the stress hormones down so you can actually recover. So I promote lots of carbs at night with dinner is what I like to do in that system. So basically we're cleaning up the metabolism, optimizing energy during the day, and then we're shutting it all down at night with the carbs and driving recovery to get better sleep at night, to fuel the fire for the next day. So we're just resetting the whole system of fuel the fire at night, steadily burn it during the day. Fuel the fire at night, steadily burn it during the day, or throw some more wood on the fire at night. It's a beautiful system. And the results, so once someone has done 21 days of focusing on healing their metabolism or resetting their metabolism, what is the result that you're looking for them to have at the end of that? I want their energy back to where like they're, like they're commenting about how good they feel, how engaged they are when they get home at night to the ones they love. They have great energy left over. They're sleeping great. I basically want them at a point where they're craving, they're craving exercise. Like, well, what can I do for exercise now? I want to do more exercise. That's what I want is I want the desire to move because that's a healthy metabolism. I mean, my God, go to any grade school. Like, look at children. The best part of grade school is PE. They were, I'm sorry, recess. They want to be out playing. So the same thing as adults, when our metabolism gets healthy, we want to move. It's really hard to sit around and be lazy when you have a great healthy metabolism. So I'm looking for that. And then moving forward from there, it all comes down to how much does someone want to exercise? If somebody hates exercise, like it is just not their thing, I'm not going to force them to do it. That's too stressful. I'll, I'll beg and plead for them to go for walks and you know do some low-level aerobic stuff once or twice a week just to get the heart in a good place. Okay? But... It's all based on how much they want to exercise. So if they want to exercise less, I just have them eat less. I learned this from Dr. J. Tita. It's eat less, exercise less for a healthy metabolism. If they want to exercise a ton, like, you know, I, some of my crossers want to work out six plus hours a day. Awesome. I'll get their metabolism in a good place and they're going to eat a ton of food to recover from that. You have to match calories into calories out to keep your metabolism healthy. You, get, start getting, you start eating too many calories compared to output. The metabolism doesn't like it. You start eating too little calories compared to your output, your metabolism does not like it. Your schmeck will get out of check. I mean, remember Michael Phelps, his 10,000 calorie a day diet when he was in the Olympics? Everybody was freaking out over that. The guy was lean and skinny because he was in the pool eight hours a day. He needed that amount of food to recover from the volume of exercise so that he could get better as an athlete. If he doesn't eat enough food in that scenario, that training volume, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get tired. He's going to lose his performance. Mm-hmm. And so you've mentioned... Um, you know, there was an equal amount for the people who have done this for men and women, there was an equal amount of an average of a 12 pound or 12 pounds over three months, right. Of weight loss, but uh, three you, weeks, three weeks, 12 pounds in three weeks. Yeah. 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 Holy I call it moly. Effortless weight loss. People are like, that's BS. That's not, that's not real. I'm like, just try it. <laughs> 
It's the meta- it's all it is is the metabolism is so unhappy with us. And, and you know you're there if you're exercising really hard and your body's not changing. If you're putting effort in and you're not getting the, the, the results you deserve, I'm going to tell you right now, you take some rest, you do something like the reset, your weight and your body fat will drop. You will look better. That's amazing. I mean, I love it. I love, I love it. But a question I have is, do you see that there is a difference in men and women with, with any of this, like with the, the difference in the hormones and then the schmeck, the sleep and hunger and cravings and energy. So because we have different hormone cycles and different hormones in us, is there, are there, what are the ways that that reacts differently in men and women? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because as you say that, I can hear in your voice that's like, it's logical that women are completely different than men, hormonally, metabolically, right? So you would think that all the research that's been done on this, especially for women, would have been done on oh. women, right? Yeah, but no. But for like <laughs> 60 years, like all the studies that were done given to women and saying, here's how you deal with your metabolism, were done on like college age boys. So, so much of the information that's out there works really well for men because it was for men. I'm sorry, those of you that have done this with your significant other and he, he gets crazy results and you get nothing, it's because it was a program for him. When you put a man on a program that's actually built for a female metabolism, he's going to get nothing. You're going to get everything. It's just that that stuff is hard. It's not hard. It's, it's hard to find. It's, it's, it's hard to find. So first off, when it comes to the recovery aspect, um, it, it's just a matter of, okay, that's a matter of size. So women are typically smaller than men, so they're just going to eat less food. Uh, the reset protocol is pretty similar. Because it's, it's the liver, the adrenals, the blood sugar, and the gut that are causing the, the havoc or the roadblocks. So all we're doing is we're going in and, and smoothing those over so they work better. So those processes are the same. It's more of and, – and men tend to hold more water retention and more bloat than women. So men will lose more weight from the reset than a woman will in that three-week period. And, you know, still periodically, some women are, are you know, holding a lot of water and you know, the metabolism in a healthy spot. You're not losing 12 pounds of fat in that period of time, right? A lot of it's water retention, bloat, things like that. Um, but you, that is a sign your metabolism is getting healthy. Now, what happens is once we move on from the reset into what I call the breakthrough cycles, it, it, it drastically changes. Men is pretty easy. Um, you want to um, keep them in a higher stress state, Right. Um, because, and you want to keep their testosterone's optimal. So you want to get their tes- testosterone levels up and use stress to optimize fat loss because that will that protocol will take belly, fat off the belly. So that's the low-carb diets, right? That's the um, hard exercise, right? That's make sure they're sleeping, make sure they have the carbs at night to replenish, to recover, to drive the, the sex hormones, the testosterone. They actually thrive on stress. Women, on the other hand, stress is very dangerous to them, especially the older they get. The older a woman gets, the more stress becomes dangerous to the female metabolism. So that has to be the forefront of it. So with women, when they are still uh, having the monthly cycle, we have to take that into consideration. So the first two weeks of the cycle, the follicular phase, is much different hormonally than the luteal phase. And and women will acknowledge this because they feel different, right? From day one of menstruation for the next two weeks, you feel different than the last two weeks leading up to your your, your, your period. It's because the hormones are different. So the first two weeks of a hormonal cycle for a woman, they're in a higher estrogen state. Uh, they're, they're more resilient to stress. They're more insulin sensitive. So in that state, you can push them harder. You can feed them more carbs. You can have them do the higher stress activities. They're going to handle it, love it, and respond well to it. But as soon as the body thinks it's pregnant, which every month it goes through the cycle, it thinks it's gotten pregnant. Now estrogen comes down, progesterone elevates. Progesterone is supposed to elevate. And then at that point, things change. You're less sensitive to carbs. So you need to eat less carbs in the second two weeks of the month. 
You're more sensitive to stress. The bigger issue because the metabolism thinks it's pregnant, so it's protective. So you have to back off on the like the real aggressive long workouts and go back to more like the short like thirty hit thirty minute hit training workouts, and then add a lot of walking in the second two weeks. That's a, a very simplified example of how we would work around it. Now, if it's a CrossFit athlete, we, we got to get or an athlete in general that has specific needs. So, for example, we move into the luteal phase of the CrossFit athlete that still has to do a lot of the harder workouts or the longer grinding workouts. We're going to use things like branched chain amino acids during those workouts to keep the hormonal ratios and stress in check, things like that. As soon as a woman hits menopause and postmenopause, now stress becomes very damaging and they're less sensitive to carbs than ever before. So we got to bring carbon, carbon take down. I still don't like to take it completely out. We just bring it down. We do um, uh, less exercise. So it's eat less, exercise less. De-stress, de-stress, de-stress. So I want my women in menopause, post-menopause to work out maybe three times a week. I like them to lift weights, but not in that like lactic acid building pathway. Like do a set rest, do a set rest, do a set rest. That's so beneficial for that hormonal profile. And then a ton of walking to get the stress levels down. And then you just have to, you just have to bring, you just have to control the carbohydrate intake a little bit more when a woman gets older because they're just not as sensitive to insulin. Mm-hmm. And why does walking decrease stress levels so much? Um, especially walking outside. I, I'm not sure the exact mechanism of it, but they have found that walking in nature calms the heart rhythm down, calms the brain rhythm down more than anything. It also makes you insulin sensitive. That's why walking is one of the most powerful tools we can use in this whole arena of looking better, feeling better, performing better. The first time I got like really good insight into it, I got a chance to talk to a Russian exercise scientist who has worked with the Russian athletes. I mean, I saw Rocky Four. I saw like all the crazy stuff they were doing to that guy. And I wanted to know, like my question to him was like, what's the crazy stuff you guys are doing with your athletes to drive recovery? Because like heart rate variability, for example, is a technology you can use to look at recovery. It came from the Russians managing their cosmonauts and his response to me was like it's simple we take their phones we kick them out and make them go walk in nature <laughs> i was like no seriously like what technology what are the tools he's like brad i'm serious that's what we do we take their technology we make them go walk in nature because it's the best thing to help with recovery uh a japanese they call it uh, a japanese forestry medicine they talk about the power of walking in nature so get outside go for a walk it calms the stress hormones down but it also makes you insulin sensitive. So it helps with blood sugar. It's the only thing that does both of those. It's, it's amazing. And you said that absolutely you, amazing. Did you say that you've recovered from your type two diabetes? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, once I talked to Rob about um, what I had done wrong with the paleo diet and how could I have ended up in the state when that's supposed to prevent it. That's when he's like, Oh, you just misunderstood. I didn't write the book for that scenario. Here's the right scenario. So I took that. I started eating carbs every day. I would have every, every night I had carbs and within two weeks, my blood sugar normalized out. I have not gone a day without carbs since, and my blood sugar is more stable than ever. Which is so So, like, I'm crazy. a person that's just, yeah, it goes against everything they tell us. It does go against everything because carbs equal high blood sugar, right? Like, that's what you hear. More carbs, the higher blood sugar, don't do yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. But when you're, when you're somebody that's under a lot of stress, and this is how Rob explained it to me, is that if you're, um, if you're sitting on the couch a lot, you don't exercise much, you don't have much stress, insulin's the big issue. Blood sugar and insulin are the big issues that will kill that person. So you can't give them carbs. But then the flip side of that group is the group that's overly stressed out, um, fatigued, trying to exercise a lot, like just have a lot of stress on their plate. It's the stress hormones that you have to worry about with that group. 
Hmm. And the best way to calm stress hormones down, there's two ways. One, and everybody's learned this one is drink alcohol. That brings it down faster than anything, but it's damaging. Mm-hmm. The second fast way to bring down the stress hormones and calm everything down is to eat carbohydrates. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. That's why that's why comfort foods, that's why when you're highly stressed out, you go for a comfort food, it always includes carbohydrates. It's because yeah. at least it, it increases serotonin GABA in the brain. It calms it down. It puts you in a feel-good, relaxed state. So my first question is, we talked about the female part of it, but for men, you talked about the things that can increase testosterone. Is there anything men need to be aware of that could be decreasing their testosterone? Eating carbohydrates all day long, right? That, that, that like, carbohydrates all day long will castrate a man. B- high blood sugar, high insulin levels all day long will suppress testosterone. That's why I only do it in windows is I want to get a, a blood sugar rise and crash. And then I want the, the body to be able to respond and then produce the testosterone when it needs to. Um, so yeah, so there's that. Uh, and then not sleeping. Like those are probably the two biggest ways to crush testosterone in a man very quickly. Like literally like they have studies done. They, men will sleep for eight hours, take testosterone next morning. The next night they'll sleep four hours, take testosterone next morning. It'll, it'll be cut by as much as 60% from when I'm not sleeping. And then there's other things like gut health uh, will affect it. I mean, it's a it's a it's an epidemic going on in our country. Like men's testosterone levels are just super low, but we're not sleeping. We're stressed out of our minds. We eat horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's there's a lot of things stacked up. It's not hard, but there's a lot of things stacked up for men. Right, makes makes total sense. And then the so the last question I have for you is: What are some of the habits that you have in your daily life? that you believe have made the biggest difference for you? I have to meditate or deep breathe every like early in the day, every day for about 10 minutes. That is the game changer for me. Because what happens is I handle stress better during the day. So I'm less emotional to it, less reactive to it. I waste less energy to, with it. So it, it keeps me in a much better place throughout the day. So that's one. Two, I use a product and I have nothing to do with this product. It's just the one that works for me. It's called the Whoop Band, W-H-O-O-P.com. It's a, it's a simple little band. I don't know if you can see it on there, but it's just a simple little black band that I wear and it tracks my, my, my body all day long. It's tracking my heart rate, uh, tracks my sleep. It tracks my HRV, my recovery. So when I wake up in the morning, it gives me a recovery score, basically green, yellow, red, and green means go, yellow means careful, red means do not exercise today. So ever since I started to use that and follow it, I only train hard on my green days. I back off and train lighter on my yellow days and I rest and walk and do recovery stuff on my red days. My one, my body looks better than ever with a whole lot less effort, which is crazy to me. My energy's good. I, I manage my stress better. Like I can just handle, it takes a lot to break me now. And I believe that those two things are probably the key catalyst to that success. So it's not what workout you're doing. It's not a diet you're following. It's taking time to meditate and knowing when to push your body and when to rest. Yeah. It's about, it's it's about creating resilience to stress. Like, like my whole industry needs a revamp. It's about fitness, nutrition, everything. It's about creating resilience to stress. That's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about using stress to simply change how the body looks. You want to know, I'll be super honest with you. One of the easiest thing to do to the human body is manipulate the scale. It's manipulate the scale. 
Uh, if you don't believe me, come watch the process with one of my professional fighters. They weigh in 24 hours before their fight. When they weigh in, I will have them lose about 20, anywhere from 15 to 25 pounds over a 48-hour period. And then they'll weigh in. And then the next night when they step in the ring or the cage, they're 20-plus pounds heavier than when they weighed in. <laughs> it's so easy to manipulate the scale. Hmm. Well, yet that is what Crazy, right? so many of us are focused on, right? Like, what does the number yeah. on the scale say? Yeah. And, and, and I still, I still, I still get in a lot of dogfights with people, clients of mine, like, because I don't care about that, because that does not mean success to me. But I've had many conversations with people in the past. Um, Brad, your program's not working. What do you mean it's not working? Well, I've only lost seven pounds. I'm like, okay, what'd you think you should lose? Well, I thought I should lose like 15 in the first month. I'm like, okay. I said, well, um, when we started, you were sleeping like four hours a night. How's your sleep? Oh, better than never. I'm sleeping eight hours a night. I'm like, okay, weird. Uh, your blood sugar, you're close to being a diabetic. Where's it at now? I was like, oh, it's under 90 every morning. It's great. I'm like, okay. Uh, you were severely constipated when we started. How's that? Oh, I'm more regular than ever. Okay. Um, your energy sucked all day long. Like you used to live on caffeine. How's that? I don't even need caffeine anymore, Brad, to feel great. I'm like, how the hell is this not working? How is it not working? Well, I should have lost more weight. I should have lost more weight. I should have lost more weight. I'm like, holy crap. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like we're so ingrained to think that's the label for success that we're missing the good stuff. Yeah. Somebody would rather go feel like absolute horrific dog, you know what, and lose 15 pounds than to lose 10 pounds and feel incredible. Yeah. It makes or or stay the same weight and feel incredible. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be super honest with everyone. When I do the resets, I put a little bit of weight on because I recover better. So I get a little more anabolic, but my body fat goes down. You want to talk about people freaking out. They do the reset. <laughs> I, I had I just got an email from somebody recently that bought my book um, and they were pissed at me because it didn't change their weight. Like literally told me I should be ashamed of myself for writing a book because that was about weight loss and they didn't lose any weight. And I said, I specifically put in there. I don't care how you look. I care how you feel. Like I was so upset, like to tell me I should be ashamed of myself because they didn't lose any weight. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Brad, how can people find more about you? Where can they get the book and how can people connect with you? Yeah. Uh, it's all there on my website. My website is um, braddavidson.com. And everything's on there. Like, like the, the ultimate comeback challenge. I have one coming up uh, January 4th. That'll be on there. It's, you can see that one's right there. Um, if you scroll down a little bit, you can see my book. Like all my programs are right there. I'm also on Instagram as coach underscore Brad underscore Davidson. And I'm constantly posting content on this topic of, you know, wake up, take back your health and live life fully engaged. It's kind of my whole message. I, I want you to get more out of life. I don't want you just to look good and feel horrible. Mm, that's perfect. Thank you so much, Brad. I'm so glad to have you on. So glad I got to talk to you and love your message. I love what you're doing for people. Oh, thank you. This was really fun. Thank you for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it. Here are my key pies takeaways from today's episode. Whew, there was so much good stuff in this. And I know for many of you, especially for many of you who are recovering from something really emotionally hurtful, whether that's in a relationship or a loss that you've encountered of any kind, whether that's a person or a job or again, a divorce, a relationship, the breaking of some kind of relationship in that way, then 
What I hope you heard first and foremost from this episode is to be gentle on yourself. You can't outwork your emotions. That's only going to lead you into a downward spiral. So please be gracious to yourself and allow yourself to recover. So the first key pies takeaway that I have from today's episode is this. If life has broken you, then getting back has to be made easy. You have permission to celebrate putting your feet on the ground and getting out of bed. You have permission to only go walking every day. You have permission to take time to scale back and focus on emotionally healing from whatever you have gone through. And while that seems like the quote unquote easy thing to do, I guarantee you that it's actually the strongest thing that you can do right now. So number one is to make it easy for you to get back to where you want to be. My second key pies takeaway is to remember to check your Schmeck. I love, I love this quote. Schmeck standing for your sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings. So if you are not sleeping well, this is my life right now. I am sleeping so terribly. I'm waking up every single night at 2 to 3 a.m. for multiple hours, having such struggle going back to sleep. But that's just me venting about my personal life. But if your sleep or your hunger, your mood, your energy, any of those things, your cravings, you're finding yourself craving something all the time. If any of those things are out of whack, then that shows that your metabolism is beginning to get out of whack. So ask yourself, how can I scale back? What is it that I need to do differently? Am I not getting enough rest? Am I not getting enough time to recover, taking days off, having a true quote unquote Sabbath? What can you do to really begin to reset yourself and use that as a barometer, those five things to help you on a day-to-day basis, ask yourself how you're doing. And I also love the quote he said in this context of how you can't beat fatigue by burning more energy. So if you aren't sleeping well, you're tired during the day and you say, I'm just going to work even harder or run even more or be even stricter with my diet, it's not going to help you get the rest that you're really looking for and that your body is really needing. So ask yourself how you can give yourself that rest. And the third key pies takeaway is this. It's about how you feel, not how much you weigh or how you look in the mirror. I really want you to be focusing on that this year. Because when we are chasing a number on a scale or a gene size, or like my husband trying to get his biceps to be a certain inch size around when he's flexing them, those can all be things that can help us track towards getting a way that we want to be. But if it's at the expense of our health, our sleep, our energy, the way we feel inside and on a daily basis and at night, then it's not worth it. I heard someone say the other day, your body isn't looking to be on a magazine cover. So stop treating it that way. It's not what is healthy for our bodies. It might be what we in society look at and say, oh my goodness, this is, this is what I want to look like. But at the end of the day, there are so many circumstances and studies about how the more people work out and the harder they are in their bodies, it's worse for them long term. I actually just heard a study the other day about how the more people worked out, 
it was actually a J curve. So people, when it came to getting sick with upper respiratory infections, actually. So the people who were sedentary, they were right in the middle. They were half and half as likely to get these upper respiratory infections. The when they started working out and had a normal workout schedule, they were less likely. But if they started working out more and were overtraining, so working out two to three hours a day, then they were double as likely, twice as likely to get upper, upper respiratory infections as the people who were sedentary. And so we can just look at this and say, our body, that's not what our bodies need. That's what we think our bodies need because we want to compare ourselves. But that's not what's healthy for us. When I was at my skinniest and felt like I looked my best, everything else in my life was at its worst. My anxiety, my hormones, my relationships, everything else. It wasn't worth it. So I want you to really focus this year on how do you feel and love yourself for who you are. Yes, we want to be healthy. Yes, we want to be able to have energy and sleep well and do all the things with our kids and live a long life. Use that as your barometer, not how you look in the mirror or what the number on the scale says. Be healthy, but please don't chase something that in reality is not healthy. So number one, do something easy to help you get back on track. Number two, remember to check your schmeck, your sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings. And number three, focus on how you feel, not how you look. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.